And then I was so caught off guard and I joked and I said, because I was dating someone at the time and I laughed and I was like, well, no, you know, but I, I don't have any kids. So, you know, I'm still a disappointment to my parents. And so we laughed at that, but I had to make a joke. You yeah. know, I had to be like, well, I can still be funny yeah. in your room. You had, brush, you had to brush off that quite traumatic Perhaps you are driving home. Perhaps you are walking home. Perhaps you live in a city where public transportation is an option. I do not, so please let me know how that feels. But wherever you are, thank you so much for tuning into NB Edgar. Today's guest is a star in many senses an actor, a writer, a life coach, a comedian, a nerd. Please welcome. Danny Fernandez. Danny Fernandez, how are you? Edgar, thank you for having me. Now, is it Danny or is that a shortened version of a much longer name? <laughs> Dananopoulos. Dananopoulos? No, it's uh, Danielle. Okay. Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Dananopoulos is funny. Uh, so, uh, Danielle, is it Danielle Fernandez is the full name or is it longer? Marie, I guess. Danielle Marie Fernandez. Ah, Technically, okay. Danielle Marie is French. I are don't your know parents my Catholic? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My mother also has a middle name, Marie, as do all of her female siblings because of Same. Catholicism. Yeah. I mean, I don't have female siblings, but my cousin is Amanda Marie, mm-hmm. and a bunch of my friends have a Marie as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, I believe, a tribute to the patron saint Mary, mm-hmm. Virgin Mary. Yeah. Um, I think my parents just thought it sounded good. <laughs> okay. Are they not religious at all? No, they're very religious. In fact, okay. we're all named after. So my brother is Andrew Joseph. Of course. Uh, my, That's two saints in one. My older brother is David Matthew. That's Well, mm-hmm. I don't also, know if David is a saint. Well, Dave, well Matthew yeah. is definitely a saint. But David is- Was a uh, king yeah. in the Old Testament. Um, he had many wives. And then my, and then me, they thought I was- uh, They made him a saint? Is that not the There's king? There's like many Davids in the okay, Bible. Okay, this is not the... Well, the big time David is the, the king of uh, 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 Israel, one of the first kings. Yeah. Ah, okay. There you um, go. So, and then I was supposed to be a boy, but uh, was not. And so I'm, instead of Daniel, I'm Danielle. Ah, so you're named after the prophet Daniel. Are you familiar with his mythos at all? Probably, Maybe. Okay, what what are you familiar with? Because I can tell you, I know a lot about it. But Wait, Daniel, the prophet in the lion's den. Okay, okay, so you know some things. <laughs> Do you know what ha- how he ended up there? Um, no, I feel bad. I probably did like ten years ago. <laughs> it's okay. Hearsay in the key in the court. That is, yeah, you're getting it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was a it was a very uh, anti semite movement. Was it the, the one kingdom. where it was like if if God if like you are protected then He'll protect you in this in in the lion's den? Yes, one hundred percent. It was very similar to his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were with fire, mm-hmm. where they were like, "Prove to us that you're protected by God," and they put him in fire. But with Daniel, they put him in a lion's den, and the king did not want to do it because you know he loved Daniel, but. People in his court, like you said, whoops, had committed hearsay and said all these things about him that were not true. Do you ever feel like you've been put into a lion's den as a test? Oh my god! What was a test Maybe that you recently life. faced? Maybe my life. I would say probably probably my autoimmune stuff, and that mm. honestly is why I. This is going to sound bad, but a reason why I kind of lost some of my faith. I mm-hmm. used to be. I mean, I went to 
Catholic school. My brothers went to Catholic school. Um, my parents were very active in the church. Mm. Um, my dad's family is Latin Catholic and my mom's family is, um, Spanish and Irish Catholic. So like the most Catholic anyone could be. You have the three big ones. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, the Holy Trinity. And so I was super Catholic growing up, but, um, I had a lot of things that happened in my life, a lot of trauma in my life. And on top of all of that, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and Lyme disease and it Mm. wrecked my health at the worst possible time. Now, is Lyme disease genetic? I've only come across it from I dated someone who almost got it because they were bitten by a tick. Mm-hmm. But there are multiple ways to contract the disease. I think that they're looking at that right now. I think mm. the most common way is a tick, although a lot of people are like, well, you didn't live in this area. And honestly, with climate change, it's it's happening all over now as yeah. opposed to like people used to think it was just in one specific area. Mm. Um, also, chronic Lyme happened when you might have been bitten but didn't know about it. And, it, and you so you just had it for years uh, going mm. untreated. Untreated, absolutely. Um, and so then it's kind of embedded in your um system it's very it's very complicated there Mm. are people that can do treatment for it and they don't really have side effects after there are Mm. people that do treatment that have to do multiple rounds of treatment and then there are people that have that it's completely ruined their lives um Gigi Hadid I think her whole family like she spoke up that her family how it's ruined their lives that multiple people in her family have Lyme so she's one of the more famous people that have it but there are other um other active uh, people that have spoken up about it. But for me, it was, um, I was just coming off of a divorce. I had a suicide attempt after that and um, was stupidly poor and really trying, you know, my I was hustling out here. I was trying my hardest and then I got sick and I was like, there's no way that God exists because if he did, he would, see that I don't deserve this Mm. someone it was this weird part where I felt like why is this happening to me why is this happening to a bad person out here because I think living in Hollywood we see a lot of bad successful people and it was hard for me to grasp that me all these years I went to to um church and Mm -hmm. even going to church out here when I moved to Hollywood I went to church out here like that's not that's weird that's when I I super dropped it (laughs) I super dropped it when I came out here actively searched out Catholic churches I felt super alone I was you know I didn't know anyone and I would go to mass by myself Um, and that's when I got sick and I was like this is this is fucked up and I refuse to believe like if there is a God he's not looking out for me this um, uh, this reminds me of the story of Job a little bit, right? Where Job was this very faithful person, and then according to the lore, of course, and I'll I'll always refer to these as lore because even though I do, if anyone believes that there's merit to the Bible, I'll give them that. But I do believe that some of these stories are more about the moral lessons than actual historical events of people. Mm-hmm. So with Job, the idea is that the devil came up to God and was just like, "Pick your best follower." And then he picks Job and he goes and he's just like, give me free reign. Like devil's like, give me free reign over him. And I bet you by the end of it, this guy will curse you and not like you. And it is one of the most frustrating books of the Bible I've ever read because I've always wondered why would God do that? Like that just seems so egotistical to me to be like, oh, this guy is the best to me. Go ahead. Fuck him over. And like the things that happened to him and his entire family is murdered 
Uh, his wife leaves him. He's covered in boils. All of his property is destroyed. And then, like, it's like God. It's almost like an ego trip for God. So I, I wonder, how do you deal? Because if that happened to me, I'd be so angry in almost an so unproductive bitter. way. So, mm-hmm. like, how did you, what did you do with that anger that you probably were feeling? Um, I had to, I mean, I was already in therapy and mm. I'd been in therapy for many years um, because of personal things with, with my family. So like on top of that, I was like, I already had an extremely dysfunctional family. My father was very abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was all these things where I was like, I don't deserve this. And yet I I've already have, I already have shit on my Yeah, plate. I've already, and, and just like dealing with, with, horrific sexual harassment like so many mm. things that I've dealt with I was like I don't and I think you know my friends would consider me a good person I can I'm not perfect in any way but I definitely felt I didn't deserve what was happening to me and and another thing it felt like things were happening to me and mm. I hate that feeling because it's a little bit of powerlessness it is powerlessness and mm. I hate feeling I just hate that I think people can relate to feeling like things are happening to you have no control over them mm. and therapy Years of therapy has helped me, I think, to move away from the from the bitterness. Um, I created a chronic illness group with um, other women in our industry because I needed a place where I could. It's a private chronic illness group, and I needed a place where I could talk about this without feeling like it was going to affect my employment in some way. Uh, of yes. people wanting me in a writer's room absolutely. or people wanting me, you to know, be in a job or something mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely, yes. Um, and I also just didn't want dudes telling me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a woman, um, chronic illness, it, like it's, you know, it affects us all differently. Mm. And it affected my sexual health. It affected my life. And by that, I mean, like, I would get my period randomly. Like, mm. I would, I just don't need dudes like, you know, you should try weed, which is a thing that people would have on my, like, just re- go gluten free. And it's like, mm. I have you idiot. Like, yeah. I just didn't want, <laughs> I just didn't want people, you know, weighing in on my personal private life. Absolutely. Um, and so, and so I created this this um, private group for um, for uh, us to kind of talk about how this was affecting our lives, our professional lives, our dating lives. Um, that doesn't surprise me because yeah. uh, something that I, I uh, take away from you, and uh, I was just telling DJ Dan this uh, earlier, we've never really had a conversation ever before. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the longest we've ever spoken to each other. Uh, because, That's your fault. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you just haven't been here when I've I been have here. never been here yeah. when you were here. Every mm-hmm. time we're around each other, we're usually in the same space doing two separate things. Like, for example, like you might be recording Nerdificent and I'm in the other room recording Culture Kings. Or there was like that one time where we did uh, um, Jamie's table read oh, and stuff yeah. like that. And uh-huh. I didn't go to that hot dog bar with you guys it is a hot dog bar that yeah. is what, exactly what it was um, it's the best. <laughs> um but so uh so i only know you from takeaways from afar and one of the takeaways that i have from afar about you is that a big thing for you is empowerment yeah so starting this group where you were empowering other people who are going through similar ailments to me doesn't or, or similar ailments to you doesn't surprise me at all because it seems like empowerment is like a big part of the Danielle Fernandez thesis. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know, I need I needed that group to be able to vent and 
also just women are treated differently. You mm. know, I had a guy, like when I started the group, I had some guy write me and it was like, you know, I, I wish that equality really meant equality and you would, you know, include men in this too. I'm like, I don't need you to hear about my, how my vagina or my, like, I don't need. You want some privacy. Yeah. I want some, I want some privacy. But aside from that, um, and it was mostly just like comics, I think that wanted to know <laughs> about, yeah. you know, that were like nosy and stuff. Yeah. They just wanted the gossip. Um, but uh, another thing is that I was like, well, then you you all should create your your group and you can talk in there. But for us, it's like women are historically uh, de- are invalidated in hospitals, in in uh, medical settings. Absolutely. They've done so many studies on it and, and even women sharing in there. And so I do – that was another reason why it was really important. And I've worked in a hospital. I actually don't know if you know this about me, but I uh, my degree is in kinesiology. Oh, wow. And I was, a, I was a physical therapist. I used to work in cardiac rehab with a post-op. Were you an uh, athlete at all? Because ki- yes. kinesiology is mm-hmm. the joke at my old school is – that's where athletes would go to get an ECA. Okay, which I well, I am very sorry that I ever made that joke. No, 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 no. It's okay because a lot of our, a lot of um, people in my classes were like football players. I mm-hmm. went to UT, and so it was like you went to UT. Are you from Texas? Um, I lived there for like a decade. My dad moved us there when I was like thirteen. Where did you move to? I lived in Dallas for wow. in high school. How did I not know this about you? I lived in Dallas in high school and college. I also in lived in Texas. Oh, okay. I went to uh, I went to high school there. Yeah. What high? Where were you in Texas? I lived in the Rio Grande Valley. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived in a in Frisco, which was like thirty yeah. minutes outside of I know Dallas. Exactly where Frisco is. So then, just quickly, Whataburger or In and Out? Oh, oh my gosh. Well. I mean, I before I lived in Texas, I lived here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so then you were I'm raised on In and Out. I was raised on In and Out. <sighs> it's okay. Let's move forward. Uh- <laughs> Honestly, though, um- <laughs> let's just move forward. It's they're honey butter chicken biscuits, though. That's what I'm, and I, I think it comes down to the fries for me. Like the fries at In and Out are just so garbage. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, hitting up Burgers Never Say Die recently. Have uh-huh. you heard of this place? It's a new burger joint in Silver Lake. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, burgers never say die. It's on Silver Lake Boulevard and Glendale Boulevard. And the fries, like you know, I, I think the fries is so important about it. But you were telling me about how kinesiology isn't bullshit. Well, no, I mean, I'm we did sorry, have man. football players in our class, and they were all like stacked head to toe in Nike. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they got all of their. And it was funny because I remember one player being like, you know, the school pays for my books and I want to be like I pay for your books actually absolutely (laughs) absolutely you do but um you're wearing UT colors right now oh yeah I am you know so uh (laughs) unconsciously but uh yeah so I um and if I if I sound a little I feel I sound out of it but it's because I was up super late last night I've never gotten the read that you sound out of it at all thank you we've only been having a conversation and I appreciate how immediately vulnerable you were immediately off the bat yeah you know i think it's because minute one you were like suicide and i was like let's talk about (laughs) it let's talk about it. well so coming from a catholic family Mm. my family and um a, a family that also immigrated here i feel like both of those can be filled with secrets to some extent oh. <laughs> yes yes and you just hit something deep inside me yes i hate that i mm. felt 
we were so secretive and and specifically my my dad was also really secretive of this other life that he was living. I didn't find out that he had a daughter, um, another daughter uh, until I was 22 and she's the same exact age as me. He got oh. another woman pregnant when he was married to my mom. Oh my goodness. And, um, but on oh. top of that, like just so many, and he had multiple affairs and like there were so many things that were hidden in my family. Um, also finding out that my uncle was queer, which I think we knew. I mean, he lived with his roommate for like 20 years. But no one said anything. But my family refused because also they were Catholic. Mm -hmm. So it was just so many things that were hidden that when I moved away from that, I went, especially being in comedy, I went full-blown the other way. Yeah, I can't handle secrets, really. I just... Honestly, very selfishly, I think speaking up about all the like suicide or my autoimmune stuff, like all of that, I think, I hope also makes me more tangible. Cause sometimes I think people see me on like Instagram or social media and they're like, her life is too pretty or she has it too easy. Mm. And I don't think that they see how much shit, to be honest, how much shit I have gone through to get to where I am. So, well, um, I think a, pro- a point that you brought up. That I find very interesting is that you're only allowed to put up the pretty stuff on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, right? Because I mean, there was a day where I was I was very upset the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to tweet out something about how I was feeling." It was about anger and how I felt like there's a specific brand of white people that are allowed to be angry, and I wrote this long thing about it, but I didn't put it up because I was like, "Oh, I'm also up for some writing yep. jobs right now." And, you know, I don't want one of the staffing people to just go, look at Edgar's, uh, oh, that's what he just tweeted. So I feel like people are ignoring what you just said, which is you want to talk about a lot of those things a lot more openly, but you're also not allowed to because they prevent you from employment. Yeah. And so I've tried to, I have to balance that a little bit. I still don't say everything that I wish I could say or Mm. tell people behind the scenes of of some of the things that I deal with. Um, But I do think, I mean, I hustle really hard of I hustle really hard I see that um and have gotten to work at a lot of cool places so I hope that my hope is that it doesn't it opens their eyes to like oh someone can have a chronic illness and still kick ass of course but um yeah so I hope that I'm helping that in some way uh it would be insane if you weren't uh just based off of the things that I've watched you accomplish so earlier you mentioned how when you started this support group Uh, There was a response from some men who were upset with you. Uh, Again, only knowing you from afar, it seems like men love to respond to you, especially with anger. Uh, That is like, and and it's not only that, like, it's not only when you retweet it. Like, sometimes I'll just be going and I'll look at, I'm addicted to reading replies on Twitter. It is something that I'm working on. But there's so many up. Angry men that find their way into your mentions. <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh! You know, if he has got, if he has been, uh, is my co-host at Nerdificent, and uh, he's been by my side now Which is for an excellent many. Show. Thank you. He's been by my side now for many years. Um, we just clicked. We started a podcast a long time ago. We just clicked, and I think it's something that he has experienced as well. What's so weird to me is that if if he wanted to make a group and he has groups but if he had a group and it was just for black men to talk about their experience I would never think to be like but also me like I should also be in there guys you know I mean you'd get dragged instantly (laughs) 
But, um, you know, or even if he, but still it's, it's weird. It's weird. Um, it's a weird response. I, mm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think they see me as an other. I think that the men, because I'm in the, in the nerd community. And mm. so that's a lot of where Ify and I are. We do panels there. We, you're probably you know, one of the more, most prolific nerds that I know. Yeah, I think I think you know. Yeah, both Iffy and I, I feel like are, and I would say that um, it's a community that doesn't value <laughs> historically. <laughs> historically, course. has not valued us. Of course. Um, and and so I think that I'm seen as as an other, even though I grew up with it. It was so weird to me because I was I was bullied for liking a lot of these things. I was bullied for liking anime, um, especially being a girl that liked anime um, mm. or that was into comic books. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got older and, I don't know, grew up to have like tits and an ass and stuff, all of a sudden I'm like not in the group. Like I couldn't have possibly been bullied growing wow. up. Like I couldn't have possibly grown up with this. And that's, I think, a lot of what you see in those comments is she's only on here because she's a woman or she's filling a quota or something like that. I'm reminded of a specific tweet where you said uh, it was something about Batman. Uh, you were, oh, uh, no. It was something about Batman. <laughs> I was comparing Batman and the Punisher. There you go. <laughs> and then you were saying that Batman was worse. And then you had to qualify at the end of your tweet. Don't even respond to me. Batman has never killed because he has. And I was like, that is insane that she has to qualify her tweet with this because no one would question. Like if Ryan Johnson tweeted that, you know what I mean? If Edgar Wright had tweeted that, no one would question it and be like, well, let's see how much they know about Batman. But you had to qualify and be like, hey, guys, I know and then I think that later on you still had to list like specific issues or whatever <laughs> cartoon sh- uh, series it was in which he did murder. Do you ever I find was, that so invalidating oh, to your experience as a Oh nerd? my gosh. Yeah, I want to address two things. One is that I was comparing that they're both people that take the law into their own hands. Absolutely. That believe that what they're doing is right even though they are breaking the law. Absolutely. Um, and people are like, well, Batman tries not to – or Batman doesn't want to kill. And I'm like, but he does if you read – like not only has he killed and people – like, well, he hasn't killed lately. But what I'm saying is that if you read, if you actually read into that man, Bruce Wayne does want to kill. He just, he's, there's so many times that he would just love nothing more than to murder the Joker. Absolutely. But that's what in his mind sets him apart from him. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, I was just trying to compare their mentalities. It's a superiority complex. Yeah, that he has. Uh, and um, and, and possibly you know worse because he is a billionaire and people are like, well, he has charities. I don't know. I just like that discussion of talking about the line between how we an antihero and the line between a villain and a hero is not as black and white as we think it is. Absolutely. Um, and then another thing. So how often does that happen? So Ify and I had a, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. I also host for Funimation. They own the rights to uh, DBZ, to One Piece, to Attack on Titan, like all these huge, awesome animes. And I remember some guy like t- tweeted at me. We talked about this on Nerdificent. Some guy was like, have you even watched Dragon Ball or something like that. And Funimation went on their account. Somebody at Funimation replied to him and was like, yeah, she does. <laughs> and that was the best part. Like that was the most validating part is, you know, these places that I've that I've actually worked for. I'm not just a fan, although I am a fan, but I've actually put in work yeah. with some of these places um, having my back. Yeah. Well, 
When we return, we'll talk more to Danny Fernandez and talk about how she has infiltrated one of the most large, large, large fan, I don't know, what'd you call it, scapes in the whole industry. And we're back on NP Edgar. We are still here speaking with Danny Fernandez. So... Wait, can I clarify some? I just want to make Please. sure. I realized when I was speaking earlier about my uh, women's group, it's women and non-binary because not all women have vaginas. Sure. I think I speak from myself from like that place, but I just want to make sure. I'm trying to like actively make sure that I'm using more inclusive language, which is a nice thing about not only my friend groups, but also Twitter, um, that that keeps me. But still, yes, there are straight cis men who would who would jump into my mentions. But yes. I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that. And I think I understood that what you were saying was you want to be comfortable speaking about that. That, that That's not mm-hmm. necessarily how any woman has to speak. Yeah, yeah. I understand. There are women who don't have vaginas. Um, so off of that, well, not off of that. <laughs> off of that... <laughs> Uh, so you were somewhere yesterday, I believe, or talking about something yesterday that I love a lot, which is the Oscars. It's my favorite thing in the world. I'm a big fan of it. Talk a little bit about your experience. Oh, at the Oscars? It was great. I, uh, I got to work with E. Um, they were super nice. I don't know why I thought they wouldn't be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think maybe because of that clip and knocked up. Oh, yeah, yes. Where they uh, you know explained what, to Catherine yeah. Heigl. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably was them for a very long time. Yeah, I don't exactly. think that they would argue just, with that. Just keep it tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they would argue with that. I think that they're trying to change that and include more body types and include more colors and mm. and on their screens. And I, they really took care of me. It was so nice to have a, a full team. I mean, it's just people doing your hair, makeup, yeah. like your clothes. And Were you on the actual red carpet? I wasn't. We were right above it. Mm. We were right above it, which in my mind was kind of better. Of course. Also, I didn't have to memorize everyone's names because yes. that's a lot of pressure. Yes. That's a lot. Yes. Um, and uh, I was trying to think of who I always get confused. It's like Chris Pine and um, James Marsden look alike. Mm. Don't at me. They they look like brothers. I I don't know if anyone would at you about that. I think that <laughs> Wait, that's not on this show. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that uh, people are are very uh, on board with that. One one that really confused me was uh, Anna's mother yesterday confused Barry Jenkins and Jordan Peele. Oh, and I was like, I don't, I don't even see, see that. <laughs> she was just like, ah, oh, Kiki Michael Key must feel so awkward that. His his best friend has a movie up right now. If Beale Street could talk, and I was like, I think you're talking about Jordan Peele, not Barry Jenkins. <laughs> I would say mine are, um, yeah, James Marsden, Chris Pine, Amy Adams, and Ilsa Fisher. Oh, and there's another one. There's Amy Adams, Ilsa Fisher, and there's a third person. Yes, I get them all. Confused. Thank you. Of course, you can't see, but Sophie was like also. Yes, she was saying that, that she also does. But there's a couple of them. When you're put on the spot, it was like. Uh, she was an enchanted, right? I think I made an enchanted reference, and I was like, "Oh crap! What if that was Elsa?" Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a couple of. Them. I doubt Elsa's at the Oscars. Also, <laughs> sa- this is d- please don't at me, but Sam Rockwell and Gary Oldman oh, is my yes, other one, yes, and they were yes. both there. They were both there. So luckily, Sam Rockwell's head was balded. 
Yes, true, 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 true. But sometimes yes, when they both uh, have their Jenna glasses, Fisher. that's who the third. Oh, Jenna is. Fisher. Yeah, when they mm-hmm. both have their glasses on and they're and they're looking very um, Commissioner Gordon-y. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they look similar. Yeah. Uh, do you believe that Sam Rockwell has never made a bad film? That is something that Anna said yesterday that I what? quickly disputed. <laughs> I haven't seen all of his films, so I don't think that I could properly gauge Iron that. Man three. I don't know if I would consider that bad. Wow. Well, I mean. What did you like about it? How about we go into that? This will be the first time I'll ever fight you on something nerdy. Because um, I'll always defer to you. But this one so I. So did you like Iron Man 2? No, absolutely than, oh, okay. not. Absolutely not. I think both of them are very bad. But I feel more okay with Iron Man 2 than I do with Iron Man 3. Okay, I'm probably just the opposite. Because I, f- not because of the f- content of the film, but I feel, I felt lied to by Iron Man 3. In that I felt maybe Sam Rockwell's in Iron Man 2. Check me on that. I think he's in 2, not 3. But um, Iron Man 3 presented itself as such a dark movie. I don't know if you remember that first teaser trailer where it's uh, Tony Stark dragging his suit through the snow. And it's so dark. And you're just like, holy shit. They're going to go for like this very dark, dark version of Iron Man. So he's in 2? It two? was 2. Okay. So you... So you're talking about two. I'm talking about three right now. Okay. He's like dragging his through through the snow and it's very dark. And I was so excited for that movie because like they're going to make it this really dark fucking movie. And then I watched it and it is the most campy thing in the world because Shane Black directed it. And it's also one of the climaxes of the movie is that as a Christmas gift to Pepper Potts, he blows up all of his suits and turns (laughs) into fireworks. And I literally left the theater going, I fucking hate Iron Man. Well, but wait, so Iron Man 2 was also, I mean, can't be etched. Like, I would say most of those kind of are. But they weren't marketed to me as, like, a dark. Like, I was like, holy shit, he's going to go Nolan-esque. Like, I thought Shane Black was going to go for, like, this Mm -hmm. really dark, dark thing. I would say, okay, so that complaint of it being campy is funny because that is how they write in comic books. Comic book dialogue is so corny. I have no like complaints puns. against a campy movie. Just tell me you're going to camp me. Oh, Don't so you tell me. Oh, Okay. Okay. Okay, I hear you. You know, there are a couple of other films that have done that and I'm yeah. and they oh, what was it? Crimson Peak. Yes. Crimson Peak was one that I feel they were actively like this is not a, a ghost story or this is not like it's yes. a love story. Yes. And they but it was marketed and sometimes you don't you can't control that. The no. studio yes. sometimes I think does that and 100%. the filmmakers are like but that's not hello just they're tweeting out like just so you know don't go into it expecting to be scared. Drive was another movie like that mm-hmm. where they marketed it as a Fast and Furious type movie. Because I remember where I was from, a bunch of car heads all went to go watch that movie. Car heads? Because they were just like, they were like, oh, I mean, you know the guys in Texas were like, you know, they all drive Civics and stuff like that and they soup them up. But they all went and watched that movie being like, holy shit, it's going to be just like Fast and Furious. And they left so upset because Drive is 1000% an art film. Mm -hmm. And I was dragged to that movie with a bunch of car heads and I left being like, that's my favorite movie I've ever seen. Car heads. That's so funny. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, you you have your your right to not. They're not all. They're not all. You know. So, not only were you on the red carpet for the Oscars, but technically you were present in the Oscars themselves because you are featured in a little animated diddly called <laughs> Ralph Breaks the Internet. 
Yes, it was really cool. I hope people are not tired of hearing me talk about it because it's probably my only time to... Trust me, if they were in your shoes, that's the only thing that they would talk about. I feel that way too. And I've definitely promoted other things. Like I had a book that came out, you know, or I wrote in a book that came out and... uh, and have been had like a couple of shows and things that I've filmed that I've tried to also promote on top of that. But it is really cool, and I mm-hmm. don't know if I'll ever be playing myself in a film that's nominated for an Academy Award. So I had a question for you: If there was another film at the Oscars you could have been in as well oh, wow. as yourself, which one? Would wow, it have been? what would even make sense? I don't. That's not what I asked. I, but I mean, to me, it would have to be one of those true, like, like um, I don't know. I was thinking like Bohemian Rhapsody, like because you'd be like a reporter a fan, or something. Or like something that. If mm-hmm. I were playing, since people every not everyone was playing themselves, but people were playing real people. Yeah. Um, what is something that wouldn't make sense? I that's think what... if Beale Street could talk. Yeah, if of you were course, doing a panel, such... and oh, they yeah. were like, "Why is this Comic Con panel?" <laughs> One in the seventies and two in this beautiful. I film. wouldn't be alive. No. I wouldn't be alive. No. Um, that is the most beautiful film, so I'd be honored to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if Dave Franco could be in it, you could be in it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. I love. I mean, I was obsessed with Black Panther. Just I think that would I- make sense. That would make the most sense to have a Comic Con. Yes. Maybe like a mid credit scene or something. Yeah. And it's them at Comic Con or something or some Marvel reference. Are superhero are are comic books in the event? I think they are, right? Because uh Oh, Agent, do they exist in that world? Yeah, because Agent Colson has the Captain America trading cards, correct? Like that's how um Oh my God! How am I forgetting? Nick Fury convinces the Avengers to stick together as he fake puts fake blood on the cards and says he died for you guys and he was a hero, he was a fan of you guys. I I think that they do. I can't remember the worlds in which they don't exist. Um, I'm pretty sure that they do. I'm sure that someone would. Correct I'm sure. Me. Yeah, I'm sure someone's gonna write a long thing and say Edgar, Danny, here's how I'm correct. But um, I think it would make a lot of sense in Black Panther. Yeah, um, if it were just like a side thing yeah. of me interviewing them or them like showing up at Comic-Con. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah, that too. That too. Maybe Melissa McCarthy did something bad to you. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other other ones, but I want to be in one where it wouldn't. It would be funny. Instead of Ralph Breaks the Internet, I could just be in Incredibles too. <laughs> That wouldn't. I think that also makes sense. It's like the same. Um, I mean, the dopest thing would be Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I, uh, I just yeah. loved that film so much. That is one where the comics do exist, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how he learns how to do it. Yeah, they do exist. Yeah. yeah. In that you know, ah, uh, when I try to break down that movie in terms of universes, my head starts to hurt. Don't Does do that it. happen to you? Don't like, do it. I try to be like, wait, which? Because he doesn't live in ours, right? No, because we have uh, Peter Parker, I think. But I you think. could technically live in his. It's just what you want what to believe. What do I want? We have the fat Peter Parker, don't we? <laughs> Is that the one that lives in ours? We have, yeah, because he hasn't died. Yeah. Because in, in Miles' time, he he, is, dies. he, has, he died. has died. Yeah. So, so we, we have the fat guy. We have. That's what Tom Holland grows up to be. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a fall off. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Tom Holland with a mustache? Maybe. It's a very fascinating picture because he just looks so young. You know what I want to say is Tom Holland, 
about a year or two ago had shared that he had never seen Empire Strikes Back. And people are like, you know, he's he's younger. He's not that young. He's like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, he's young, but he's, you know, he's not 16 like he plays. Is that him with the mustache? He doesn't look bad. It's, a, okay. it's just because it looks like a kid put on a fake mustache. <laughs> Um, but what's funny is if I said that, Edgar, oh, if I said I had never seen Empire, or if any woman, if any woman, not even in the nerd world, if any woman had yeah. said that they hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> so I remember bringing that up as like, okay, so this is your king. <laughs> this is your Spider-Man, which I was like, I think it's totally fine. I don't mm-hmm. expect him to. He also is an actor. Like, it's not like he has time to watch everything. He probably watched the things that he grew up with. And, you know, all of us have gaps in our knowledge. It's just that it was so much more acceptable for him than it would be a woman if mm-hmm. a woman hadn't seen it. That's uh, it's one hundred percent true. I, I see that pressure applied. I mean, with the whole uh, what's her is it Kelly Marie Tran? Mm-hmm. How people just wanted to eat her alive because yeah. all she did was be in a movie anyone would want to be in, right? Like I felt like if it was like some young white guy who got to be in this role that didn't make sense, everyone would be like, "Oh, so dope! He grew up loving Star Wars and he got to be in that." But because it was an Asian woman, yep. they were just like. Fuck that. Like, and they were so upset by that. It, it, it fascinated me. It's really upsetting that both her and other, well, other people of color have had to delete their their accounts because, mm. you know, they also have so much love. It's just that the hate is so loud. Yes. And, I, and when you're trying, when you have to be professional, when you have to wake up every day and go on a set and be there and be ready at 6 a.m. and have your lines and stuff, like just reading all of that hate... Um, and people are like, you know, turn off your comments or whatever. One, comments drive the algorithm. Absolutely. So I hate – somebody said that to Tony Baker who was dealing with a lot – he's a comedian mm-hmm. who was dealing with racism and people posting on his thing. And someone's like, just turn off your comments. I'm like, but he is a a comedian who's trying to sell shows, who's trying to like this gets – when people comment on his thing, it's going to boost his post to yeah. the top of the thing so that you see – you can see that he's performing in Philadelphia. You can see – like he wants those numbers to be seen. Mm-hmm. So that's not – that's not a reasonable or acceptable answer for people of color to just be like, oh, we'll just do that, you know, and then you'll drop your numbers. So I just want people to understand, I guess, that that privilege, even yeah. saying that is a privilege. Absolutely. You can see Tony Baker's work in the film It's a Party. Yes. Yes. On Showtime. I love him. And also, he is a great, he's kind of been moving more into the movie review world as well. And I love ah. it because I love that he, I feel like, like myself, doesn't take himself really seriously. (laughs) You know, I think there's, at least me being in this world or adjacent to this world, I've seen a lot of film critics that kind of act like they're better than the filmmakers in some ways. of course. Like, I know you spent your three years and your life's work, like, working on this, but I can tear it down in my think piece in, like, two seconds Mm. or some, like, snarky tweet. Um, And these are, like, you know, films that deserve... Love or what, like like we were saying with Star Wars or yeah. um or any of those where it's like well I'm gonna it's not how I want it to be so I'm gonna tear it down or because you know you added more women and I think that that was just a play or something I'm gonna write a, a thing on it or get mm-hmm. my fans. Anyways, what I was saying is I feel like Tony and I are the better part of the community. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that 100. percent I uh, I trust critics as far as I can throw them because uh, I do read yeah. a lot of critics uh, critic stuff, but. I have been able to decipher out, like I used to be a big Rotten Tomatoes person, but I've stopped doing that because I realized that 
one, of course they were accepting payments to push certain things. And, I mean, why would I trust that a corporation would do anything in good faith? And then secondly, I think there is a bit of uh, merit to trying things for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And also it's like what, you know, maybe they studied film, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same experiences as you. That's Absolutely. what I think when, I mean, we just had the Oscars and I'm going to say who, when people are like, it should go to the best. Well, who is deciding the best and what do they look like? Mm-hmm. Maybe they think this thing is the best because because it they relate to it more. Yeah. And maybe they snubbed this other thing that should have been included, but they just didn't relate to it because it wasn't a part of their, you know, it didn't have people that were their skin color, didn't have, 100%. you know. So I hate that I hear that a lot. I hear that with directors. Like, it should go to the best. It should go to, you know, this famous director that has already directed a bunch of things. I'm like, but that's because the only reason he got there is because someone took a chance on him. Absolutely. And we don't have enough studios willing to take a chance on on women and people of color. They normally have to have a bunch of credits or a bunch of, you know, they normally have to come with their own fan base. Or when I look at someone like Issa Rae, it was like she had to come with her whole entire, like she already had a built-in fan base. Of course. As opposed to I see other people that get development deals and, and out of nowhere. It's uh, it's quite troubling. And um it's something that I, I question a lot. I remember when AV Club, I used to be a big reader of it in college, and they would review rap albums, but they would have white people review them. And this white critic gave such a scathing review to Earl Sweatshirt's album, where I was like, oh, you don't get it. You don't get what it's like to be right. 19 and 18 and filled with so much angst and so much death around you like that you'd understand this album. You can only understand hip-hop if it's just like perfectly recognizable to you. Yeah. Yeah, so I think a lot of times it's it's they might pass over something because they don't because it doesn't speak to them directly, not understanding that it speaks to so many other people. When we return, we'll talk more with Danny Fernandez. And we're back on NP Edgar with the wonderful Danny Fernandez, who has opened my eyes to so many things I've never considered. And really? reminded me of things that I wonder about deeply. I didn't know that I'd open your eyes to anything. <laughs> well, I, I've never really considered the chronic disease thing and of like how someone can be quietly suffering even oh, though that's not yeah. what's necessarily appearing to you. And which is ridiculous that I've never considered because I suffer from uh, chronic depression myself. And I think that at times, I mean, obviously I have the whole brand of sad boy Edgar and stuff like that. But a lot of people were just like, man, you're doing so well. You're doing stuff like that. I'm like, no, you guys should see my room. It's it's a complete reflection of how my mind is, which is disgusting and messy. I'll have people that'll write me that'll be like, you're too pretty to be depressed, mm. which I think is just disgusting. Absolutely. <laughs> to me, it shows that you're dumb, but mm-hmm. also have one singular view of depression or yeah. think that because you find me attractive doesn't mean that everyone else does, but also just because you find me attractive that I'm not capable of suffering in some way. Mm-hmm. I had another, I had an artist that wrote me, um, he DM'd me and said, I wish I were a pretty woman. Like, oh man, to be an artist and be beautiful. I'm like, yeah, and then you would have to deal with horrific sexual harassment to the point that you want to quit. You would have to, you know, it reminds me of the end of Aladdin when Jafar wishes to 
be a genie and Aladdin is like okay and everything that goes with it and then he's enslaved in the lamp and it's like well okay you wish to you know be like me or whatever then you're going to get everything that goes along with being the autoimmune stuff the sexual harassment the you know the racism that I deal with the all of it you're going to get all of it and so um, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily consider that and I and the only comparable thing I can have with that is my race where sometimes I'm never certain if someone actually likes me or is very happy to have me on board because they're like, I get some color points. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like maybe that's comparable to how you feel of being like, does this person want to write with me or do they want to fuck me? And like that, like that's such a, a specific kind of bizarre and such a gaslighting thing to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've dealt with. I, I had an interview I remember it was before Ify's daughter's birthday, before Naomi's birthday party. I went to this interview, um, and the showrunner was having a great time. Like, I was just making him laugh, which is what you want to do in comedy and interviews. It was to write for this show. And at the end, he asked if I was single. Jesus Christ. And my boyfriend at the time, not being in my world, you know, not realizing what it's like, he was like, well... You know, maybe he just wanted to know if you'd Ugh. be committed. I know, exactly. You can already tell that that would never happen to you. Yeah. That would never happen is someone saying, well, are you single? Why are you playing devil's advocate for this man? That too. That's another thing that I feel like we deal with a lot is mm. when people play devil's advocate, it's like, okay, well, this isn't a game. This is my life. Mm-hmm. I don't get to choose to play the other side just yeah. for fun. I have this side and I don't get to pick the other side. Mm. It's been chosen for me. And so, but yeah, I remember I cried. I got in my car and I cried. And that sucks. That sucks. It went from like, oh, this is great. I'm totally getting this to how was I supposed to respond to that? Yeah. What, you know, if I said, yes, I am single, are you, are we, you're, you might be my boss. Yeah. You know, if I said no. Um, so what I did was I actually hesitated. I was so caught off guard. I was so ready for every other question. It was like just funny, funny, mm. you know. And then I was so caught off guard and I joked and I said, because I was dating someone at the time and I laughed and I was like, well, no, you know, but I, I don't have any kids. So, you know, I'm still a disappointment to my parents. And so we laughed at that, but I had to make a joke. You know, I had to be like, well, I can still be funny in your room. You had to brush brush off that quite traumatic experience. Yeah. And I feel, you know, you probably had have to as well. You've probably gotten so, you know, comments in rooms or comments in interviews or auditions where you have to kind of like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm sometimes I am very blunt and other times it's just like, oh, I got to make this person comfortable. I mean, I think it's a a bit of being an other is a bipolar experience in which you have to be two things at once. Right. Where at times you have to be uh, uh, like, you know, a person of color, but then at time and the consequences that come with it. But because of that, there are times where you have to be like, oh, shit, I need to get a job. I need to eat. Maybe perhaps I can't be angry or I can't. And that. That choice is such a, a choice that very few people have to make. Yeah. I deal with that, too, with um, my family is Mexican. And mm. a lot of times, like in auditions, they'll be like, well, you're not how I pictured you. And I'm like, how did you picture me? Mm. You know, and normally they have like a very stereotypical view of them. Also, when people hear Mexican, they think of immigrant. Like, I just learned that out here in Hollywood. That it's not a thing in Texas. 
Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it happens there, but I'm saying like specifically here when they're writing roles, like mm. when I get like they just think of them as illegal immigrants. It's insane. When 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 I think of a Mexican person, I think of anyone like a doctor, an engineer, a YouTuber. They have YouTubers like for some reason, like they're just normal. They're kids with iPads Absolutely. and like on skateboards. Like they're just <laughs> and it's that's just like here. But that's not what they think of. They think of us like bundled up in in blankets. Like, you know, when they're writing. I, I was in a, a screenwriting class at I.O. And when they would write a Mexican character, it was just as an illegal immigrant. And that blows my mind because what I meant, like it's not like that in Texas where I'm from in Texas. You get all level of class with Mexicans. Oh, yeah. You get your fresas, which are very rich, rich Mexicans. You have your middle class people. You have poor working people who also still, even of themselves, aren't necessarily immigrants. Like, you know, they're just poor working people who are also Mexican. Like, you know, they can be third, fourth, fifth generation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for whatever reason, they're in there. I mean, not for whatever reason. We know the reasons. But that's why it blew my mind to come out to California and here are some white people be like, well, you know, Mexicans are like this, Mexicans are like that. I'm like, not the ones that I know. And to this idea that all Mexicans are only brown or, or this, I'm like, no, where I'm from, there's such a diaspora of yeah. colors. Yeah. You have white Mexicans, you have black Mexicans, you have brown Mexicans, mm-hmm. you have Asian Mexicans. And indigenous Mexicans. Absolutely. There's such a wide spread of colors from this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for also another thing that I realized with um, – because what's Anna? Her? She is uh, half Cuban, half Swedish. I can bet that if she goes into auditions, they will assume to some degree that she's Mexican. Mm. Because when you're here in L.A. and you're Latinx, you're assumed to be Mexican. Absolutely. Like you walk into an audition, you're Mexican. I've heard this. You're Puerto I've, Rican, yes. you're Mexican. I've heard this complaint. I've heard this <laughs> you're complaint Cuban, you're Mexican. Yeah. And although I am um, – that doesn't mean that my friends are. And yes. so it is It is a problem. It is a problem. And um, I just hope that with more roles, people can see how truly different we are because we're so diverse. I think we get put in one singular box. It's just the Latinx box overall. Yeah. yeah. Or Latinas in general. We're mm. put in this one box and it's like you're expected to be this exact way. The auditions um, that Anna comes across, I get upset at, and I, I and I, I fight with her sometimes because I'm just like, don't take this. But then she's also like, Edgar, I have to eat. But they're always the same thing, where it's like you're either you're a really loud, bouncy, feisty sex, sex thing, uh huh, and yeah. I, it makes I gets I get riled up and disgusted, like, and not out of some power. I mean, not out of some woke thing. For me personally, it's jealousy and being like, no, that's my sex thing. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm not even gonna sit here and pretend that. I'm on some sort of right side of history with it. It's mostly me being like, I don't want some guy up on my girl, which is a whole other conversation. But those are the only roles that she gets asked to do. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. I was having an issue with that with VO. They were only sp- sending me like Spanish or Spanish sounding VO. I'm like, but I can also play like a bunny rabbit or, yeah. a, you know, I can play all these other things. What can I also get those as well? Um, but yeah, I just got an audition. I tweeted about this today, not that long ago, and it was a exotic sounding, sexy Spanish woman in a red dress. I'm like, so mm. it's the emoji lady. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the very singular, and she was in a jungle. Mm. And I'm like, that is a very singular view of us. We're so different. We are into different things. Some of us are, you know, into anime like I am or... um you know, 
painting or hip hop or whatever. Like there, there's, there's so many different levels to us, but I think, yeah, we all get put in one box. And if you're not in that box and you're told that you're not Latina enough, which is insane, but yeah. Yeah. That has to be very difficult to deal with. So I want to ask you one last thing. And this is something I like to ask a lot of creatives often at a party when I'm bored and I'm like, I want to, I want to get to know a person very well. I have X amount of money for you. You get to fill in that X. X amount of money. And it's to work on whatever project you want to work on. What is that project going to be? Uh, I have a animated show that I've been pitching that I would give funding to. I'd probably open up an animation house if I could. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I would hire a diverse writer's room and Mm -hmm. animators. and honestly, also accept script submissions. Mm-hmm. I'd want people to get their work made. Mm. Great, I love that. That is such an excellent, excellent use of those, excellent use of those funds. So go ahead and check your Venmo. Uh, Thank you so much. Oh my there. gosh, I don't see it. It's there. But don't doubt me. It's there. Hopefully, I've been I've been pitching and pushing a lot of scripts that I've written this year, and mm. I hope that. Y'all will be able to see him. Well, like I told you, I have a strong feeling that 2019 is your year. I told you that on Facebook because, again, this is the longest conversation that we've had currently at 52 minutes. I know. I never get to have both of y'all in here. It's a contractual thing. (laughs) We've been speaking with Danielle Fernandez, also known as Danny Fernandez. She is a comedian. She is an actor. She is a writer. She is a powerhouse. She's spoken to us about a lot of amazing things. Danny. What is one thought that you want people to walk away with and where can they find you? Oh my gosh. Uh, life is short. Be kind to each other. Mm. Really. We lost we lost someone in our in the community. We did. First stand-up show I'd ever seen in my life. And afterwards he told me I could do it. Yeah. We lost Brody Stevens, if y'all don't know. And um and that's a like su- that's probably another reason why I speak up on on suicide. Of course. And, want people to know there's not just one look or demographic that it affects. I know a lot of us might in comedy joke about it. And I feel like that is, we joke about it because a lot of times we feel we don't have power over it. We don't Mm. always feel like we have power over our thoughts or over our depression, no matter how much time and effort you've put into it. It's still something that I deal with chronically, which you have said you've dealt, you deal with depression chronically as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just really important to me that we continue to speak up about it so that people will feel that they can also speak up about it and don't have to suffer in silence, I guess. And, and I, I do want to add a thing, and I, this is this episode is supposed to be only about you, and I apologize for doing this, but a lot of people said some things, and I remember someone texting me and said, it just sucks that he had no family around him or anyone who loved him. And if you look at hit Twitter that day, that's clearly not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, he clearly had a ton of people that loved him. And what people don't understand is when you're in that spot, it is fucking hard to receive that love because it's not it's not a it's not a math equation. It's mm-hmm. purely chemistry. And what I mean by that is that your brain goes down these patterns where it's just like this is the only way to get relief for what you're feeling right now. And it doesn't matter if the love of your life came to your door and tried to talk you out of it. At times your brain, the way that it is made up chemically, is telling you this is the only option that I have. So it's a lot more than that. And if only people could understand how hard of work it takes to undo those chemical patterns, I think we'd be in a much better place than rather thinking, all oh, this text I love. I mean, obviously, text I love you, text all those things, but it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more complicated than that. 
Thank you, Danny Fernandez, for being here. And where can people find you? I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez, M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. And I also have a show called Nerdificent here in this studio with Ify Wadiway. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for being on MP Edgar. Again, perhaps you're listening to this on an airplane. Perhaps you're listening to this on a train. And I say, wow, you took a train. Perhaps you're listening to this with some friends. Wherever you are listening, thank you to listen. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to NP Edgar. I'm Edgar Mobazir. You can find me on at Edgar Mobazir on Twitter and at Awfulgram on Instagram. You can find Jaquise Neal at Jaquise Neal on all social medias. You can find Culture Kings at Culture Kings Pod on all social media. Check out some of our things on tpublic.com slash culturekings. We have tote bags, computer cases, mugs as well. Thank you so much for reminding me of the white objects, mugs as well. Uh, so go ahead and shop there. All things that you buy there goes towards the podcast. So that is greatly appreciated. And thank you for listening to NP Edgar one more time.